Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Hello, hello out there in the big wide world. This is Helena, Helena Margareta. And for those who haven't heard me for a little while, I used to be Helena Steiner-Hornstein. And uh, for those who heard me quite often since then, you know I changed my name. And um, I have my guest with me also, who is Dr. Gillian Holloway. And maybe she doesn't know that I have changed my name since we last spoke with each other. So for the ones who are new, yes. It's not that I changed my name. Helena Margareta has been my name all along in my passport. It's my baptized name. And uh, I uh, had a spiritual experience uh, last year, about this time. And uh, I woke up in the morning, and I had this big sunshine in my room, but this was the real sunshine. But then all of a sudden, there was a new light coming in, and I heard this voice saying, You are not Helena Steiner-Hornstein. These are names from men. You are Helena Margareta, your real name. This is what you should use. And this is what I've been using ever since. And you know, my life has been much better since I did that professionally, of course. Privately, I have my other name, which is my last married name, which I'm not using on the air at all. But Helena Margareta seems to work very, very well with the energy that I'm using, the spiritual energy. So um, I'm in Florida. We have absolutely wonderful weather in Florida. And I'm sorry for you all. I just spoke to someone in Helsinki, Finland, and they had like minus 20 degrees, been there all week and the week before that, and she couldn't really go out at all. She felt and she had a little newborn baby, and she didn't want to take the baby out in this cold air. So we are very, very fortunate uh, to have this fantastic weather here, uh, which is at 80, 80 around, something like that. Beautiful sunshine. And I know some people would say, I'm happy you enjoy it. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> but I'm very fortunate. <laughs> and I can hear how my guest is laughing. Uh, Dr. Gillian Holloway, where are you located right now? I am near Portland, Oregon. So we have a few inches of snow on the ground, and it's going back and forth, freezing and then not freezing. This is weird. Do you usually have snow? I didn't think you would ever have snow there. No. For the, well, like everywhere else, for the last three years, our climate has been changing. And we normally don't get snow, but we've been getting quite a bit of snow every year, and it's getting more intense every year. Wow, you know, this is uh, all almost frightening and how people believe and say there is no global climate change. I don't know where they are hiding. Maybe they sit in a big city somewhere. <laughs> I don't know what city because everywhere, wherever we are, we notice the climate changes. And I've seen that for years also about, you know, in the Swedish forest where you used to have pine trees and trees that would grow only in colder climates, they're kind of disappearing, and we get the leaf trees like the elm and the birch and mm-hmm. and everything, you know, that kind, just creeping up on us further south all the time. So, yes, there is a big change happening. 
So, um, but we are not going to talk about climate. We are going to talk about dreams. And dreams, to me, to me, Helena Margareta, is a very favorite subject because I get a lot of questions about dreams, and I have to just sit and look at people in a different way, you know, intuitively, to kind of see what, where they have their problems, so to speak, mm-hmm. why they might have those dreams. But I really don't understand dreams. I'm not a dream expert like you are. And you hold a PhD in psychology, and you are helping us um, understand the benefits of our dreams. You are dedicated in this understand. And you have written a few books. I have uh, one book in front of me here, The Complete Dream Book, which is a great book. I think everyone should get that. Where can they get it, uh, Gillian? Well, the easiest place and the least expensive is always Amazon. And it's Mm -hmm. usually in most of the major bookstores as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And also when you can get it Amazon, you can also also get it BarnesandNoble.com, Barnes mm-hmm. I take mm-hmm. it. So that's great. And, you know, you sent me this book, and I think you sent it like in February or something of last year. And I wrote you a thank you note, I think in November or, or yeah, about November last year. And that was the long time it had had, had taken to travel. All that way across America, taken over almost a whole year. Why, I don't know, but sometimes things happen like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and I have, uh, we are going to talk about psychic dreams and metaphysical dreams, and we're going to talk about dream symbols. And mm-hmm. I have a few letters here from my clients, and uh, uh, maybe you can answer them in my place. And we have here from one woman called Birgit. She's an older woman. She has liver cancer. Mm-hmm. And she says, I have liver cancer. I don't know for how long I'm going to live, but I now dream about soot everywhere. I look wherever I look. And this is this black residue that she sees. Am I going to die? Is this a sign that I'm going to die? Oh, soot, I see. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, think that's, I don't think that that is a necessarily an indication of when she will have her transition. I, I would think that the soot might have to do with the cancer itself. Um, yeah. From the, from the people that I've talked to who are, who are battling with cancer or tumors, often that they will see in their dreams, they'll see a certain image, and it might be one animal consuming another animal or something growing in the corner of the room. And so I, I wonder if, if the soot might be uh, her image for, for the cancer itself. Yeah, I think so, and I told her, of course, that I was not an expert, and I, feel it, I think it's your fear also, because she's very, very fearful this, yes. of, of this, and uh, she kind of counts days, and I said, well, listen, you are such a survivor, you have lived much longer than the doctor said you would live, so now you still fear that you don't have the ability, maybe, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and she said she had an old book, <laughs> where she had looked it up. And, you know, there were books, uh, and she's an older lady, and the book is, of course, a, a much, much older book. 
and she's European. Mm-hmm. I don't think that book has come to America even. And uh, she has just looked up the word soot, mm. you know, and said, oh, it means that, it means death. But I never see that as, you know, anything like, do you have predictions in dreams, what is going to happen to you, like if something is, going, someone's going to die or something like that? Well, for for most, they have studied people who are in the hospice and who are preparing to die, you know, who who don't have much time and who have a terminal condition. And it turns out that their dreams, there is some fear in the dreams, of course, but as they actually approach their time, the dreams turn a corner and become, they tend to have angels in them or guides in them or they'll see a light in the window or they'll see a new dawn breaking on the horizon. And it seems like our soul starts to give us these images of you're going to cross into a completely new life and what you're preparing for is life, not death. Yeah. So those are the only dreams that they have that they have shown that the dying tend to have, I believe. And you have such a database of dreams, don't you? I see here twenty-eight thousand real dreams that you have mm-hmm. received, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and analyzed. I think that must have been given you a, a, a great knowledge in the subject. And well, have you noticed? Yeah. Go ahead. Now, have you noticed different kinds of dreams in different parts of the world? Um, I have mostly studied the dreams in the English-speaking countries, so I haven't been able to see, you know, dreams around the world as much. There are some themes that are universal, such as uh, falling downhill. That's a stress dream that's very common around the world. And also having something happen to your body, such as losing your teeth. That is a common yes, dream. Tell that, me about that. That yeah. I would like to know more about losing Well, your you know, teeth. an interesting thing about that one is that it is something that happens when we're younger, not something when we're older when we might you know, expect to worry about our teeth. This is something that starts when we're 15 or so, and by the time we're in our 30s, we don't have that dream anymore. It seems to... Go ahead. Yeah, I have had those dreams myself, you know, Mm -hmm. when my teeth were falling out, and I thought, my Uh God. (laughs) Yeah. And those were stressful times, so maybe during times of exams, I think. Yes. It could well have been. Well, it is. Yeah, it is a time when the the situation is different for every dreamer. But what there is in common is that it's it's a bind. It's a situation that where you feel pressure, and where you feel kind of a push and pull. You wish you might be able to escape, but for very good reasons, it's something that you just have to endure for a time. Whether it's your first job, your first college whether you've just gotten married, young people who join the service and then they realize, oh, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. So sometimes it's a positive, sometimes it's a negative. But it's always a situation where you're kind of stuck and you have to, you know, stick to the grind for a while, and that seems to be the time when we dream of losing our teeth. Yeah. It's such. I was so glad that you brought that up because uh, I remember when I had it and I thought, oh, I'm going to lose my teeth. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't see it now as that at all. And, of course, I have all my teeth there. Uh, And uh, when you 
meet someone who's actually dead, you know, for mm-hmm. us dead dead, and you meet them in a dream. What can you say about that? Well, I've been studying those for um, about five years now and trying to collect as many as I can because I believe, Helena, that some of these dreams are communications, that they are visitations from people who are on the other side. It seems to me that they can tell when we're dreaming, that they can see our energy in some way or see what state of consciousness we're in, and that they have an opening then to deliver a message and meet us in our dreams. And I hear from people of all walks of life, people who believe and people who don't believe, who have had that experience, and they wake up feeling that they've actually had a conversation with that person. Yeah, and I have had those so-called dreams, but of course I'm a medium, I'm a little different that way, that Uh I can meet those people even when I'm not sleeping. But I've had fantastic meetings uh, in my so-called dreams, and I could sense them in a way just like if they were so real. You know, I could see Mm -hmm. the clothes they were wearing, and and we had conversations. Of course, Mm -hmm. I didn't look at that as dreams. They were just too real for that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what people say, yes, mm -hmm. that it is more real than a dream, and sometimes that it's more real than when you're awake. It just has a hyper-reality to it. Yeah, that's true. Have you seen the movie Inception? I have, yes. Wasn't that exciting? What, 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 you know, I was so fascinated, let me tell you why. Because when I work with people and I look into them and I see the blockages, and the blockages might be in a memory. I go into them and change the memory of that past life that is blocking them. And then everything changes in this life. And now you do that with dreams. Can you do that with dreams? Oh, very often we can see what it is that is uh, inhibiting someone or what it is that they're afraid of or what it is that keeps repeating. Um I don't work so much with past lives, although I believe in past lives very much, but I can see often in the dream that there will be something the person is overlooking that is is the reason why they keep repeating the same situation. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So uh, can a past lifetime come back in you, let's say you lived in, in Africa, in a mm-hmm. past lifetime, mm-hmm. and you now have dreams about Africa and, you know, where you were walking in the river and you had, you know, you were fishing and everything else and you had a perception that you were a young boy. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, some kind of memory of a past lifetime? Oh, I think it is a memory of a past lifetime. The more I look at dreams, the more I see that we can remember uh, across lifetimes and we can also remember the future. We can look at a future situation that is in potential in our dreams and borrow information from the past or the future to create a dream that gives us an insight about what's going on now. I feel if we remember a past life in a dream, it's because that is directly uh, helpful to something that's going on now, and that's why you're having that memory. Yeah, it's so interesting. But going back to the inception, you know, I saw that with a friend in Mm -hmm. Sweden. And he was an older man, very left brain. He fell asleep and thought it was the most boring (laughs) film 
he had ever seen and didn't understand at all, whereas I was so fascinated because it reminded me reminded me of memories, you know, that you can go in and change. And what 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 should we add to that from your opinion? Well, one of the things that, that is happening now um, dramatically when I look at, you know, tens of thousands of dreams is that this idea of being lucid in the dream state and realizing that these different scenes are a dream, that used to be fairly rare 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and now it is very widespread. I don't know if it's because we're gaining an understanding through contemporary culture or if our Mm -hmm. dreams and our consciousness is changing uh, themselves. I suspect both are true, Um, that there's something about our ability to see across different states of consciousness and know that we're dreaming. That is happening much more often, as are all the varieties of telepathic and psychic dreams and shared dreaming, like they had an inception where they all went into a shared dream. That is happening much more often spontaneously, and that used to be rather rare as well. Yeah, I noticed uh, that, you know, first time I had you on the show as my guest, I thought, oh, you were one of those stack-up university psychologists. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't dare bring in anything that would be a little bit out of the ordinary, like past lives or or things like this. But then I realized towards the end of that show, oh, no, you were really open. You knew something much more than what those real, you know, psychologists know about dreams Mm -hmm. and how did you get started with this with the dreams because that you know a few years ago you know it wasn't uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that was an important part of people well I studied to be a a psychologist and a therapist and along the way um, we started working with dreams and I was going to specialize in hypnosis because I knew that consciousness is where the healing takes place more than you know, from the medical model. But as we were working with dreams, I could see that there's a potential that comes up for people. Not only understanding a dream intellectually is helpful, but the dream itself comes, uh, it's like a meal that you can consume and it nourishes you. When you take it out and look at it and understand it and then take that understanding back in, you are empowered, literally. You're charged with the potential to make changes that you couldn't have done any other way sometimes. So they work almost like magic sometimes, and that's why I I fought so hard to get get them in the public eye a bit more. Yeah, that's good. I have a few callers here. We maybe should take a couple of calls. Sure, Uh, if you want to. Yeah, take a cap. I'm not, you know, many people say, why don't you take my calls? And it tends to be that when you work like I do with the healing aspect and you go into people's past lives and and everything I say is channeled, I tend to say things that might be very personal. (laughs) And uh, I don't want to share this with everyone. It should be more a one-on-one. But... um, this is a little different here. So let me take uh, someone here. Hello, you're on the air. Oh, yes, hello. And what this is your is, name? This is Helena. Hi. Hi, Helena. This is Bridget. Hello, Bridget. And you want um, to speak to our guest? 
yes, Dr. Jillian Holloway. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would love to ask a question. I had uh, I had a dream just recently uh, where I was looking at the ocean. I was, uh, you know, kind of overlooking the ocean pretty close to it, and uh, I noticed that there were large, they almost looked like manta ray uh, fish that were out of the oceans, and they were flying above the ocean. And it was just so, um, I mean, it lasted for quite a while, and it was so scenic, and I even, I, I remember color as well. So I was just wondering if there was any significance to that. Well, the the ocean itself is a very powerful image that we have in dreams. And for the most part, it has to do with uh, a potential for the dreamer of a different kind of life. If you think about the land and the ocean, one is the sort of place that we're comfortable with and we understand, and the ocean can be a mystery. So a lot of times when you're at the end of one part of your life and the beginning of another part, the dream is set at the ocean. And so that's one clue to what your dream might mean. The other clue is these giant, beautiful, um, mythical creatures that normally are in the water that are flying in the air. Mm -hmm. So that suggests to me, and you'll have to kind of try this on, see if this echoes as I'm talking to you in your body, that something that's normally deep in the in the feeling nature of yourself might be flying up and giving you new ideas. So it's as though your creativity and your inspiration is being seeded by deep feelings. And when those two things connect, anything can happen. It's sort of an open doorway for you. And it's a very positive set of images. So as I was talking, how are you feeling about that? Is this does this mean something to you? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was just discussing a new idea with someone yesterday, and it just came out of what I thought was nowhere. It just, you know, kind of like came out of my mouth, and and we were both kind of surprised. I was I was more surprised. I was like, oh wow, I I had not even spent any time thinking about that idea, mm-hmm. and it seemed oh, well, to come out almost. Yeah, it seemed to come out almost as if it was well developed. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it may have been something that was, you know, you were incubating for a long time. But this yeah, is a very... I like that dream a lot, by, by the way. I really enjoyed it. And I've seen also, the, you know, ocean to me, living in Miami, of course, is very important. But I've seen the same with the fish, you know, beautiful, beautiful color. Did you also have beautifully colored fish? Yes, yes. Yeah, and beautiful colors. And it made me so happy <laughs> to see all that yeah i guess that's why i say it it lasted longer than i uh, usual i mean it, i guess i didn't want the dream to leave because it was just so beautiful and detailed and between the waves of the ocean and you know kind of the foam at the top of the waves and then the the fish there was so much to look at and the wow. idea that they were actually flying and you know and this is the third time I've had a dream that I've recalled. I don't mm-hmm. usually recall my dreams when I wake up, but it's the third time that it is a water theme. Another time I was in the ocean, and yet another time I was in the ocean in a boat, and the dolphin jumped out of the ocean and kissed me on the cheek. Mm. Wow. How sweet. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. 
And it was it was uh, at that point when I realized I needed to move from the desert. When I woke up that morning and I recalled that dream, I kind of just lied there for a moment saying, what is this? And it came to me that I needed to go back to California. Mm-hmm. And it, I just felt like I knew it was time, you know, calling mm-hmm. me back. And yeah. I did. I moved back. Oh, well, that's and uh, you're happy with your move and everything. It was oh. just a dream that you had to kind of follow in a way. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like yeah. my soul is nourished again. I mean, it's just for me, it's home. It's I love it. Jillian, mm-hmm. when we dream in color like this, like my guest uh, was doing, does that mean something else? Does it mean something more? Are we very inspirational or inspiring people or something like this? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I believe that that people who can remember the color in their dreams very readily, or when you have a very vivid, colorful dream, that that has to do with emotion and how readily you are accessing all the different layers of your consciousness. A lot of times they tend to be separate, and we we get ourselves blocked and, and placed into separate boxes, the different parts of our intelligence. But when they're all together and it's fluid, this is like the the kind of experience that Bridget had. Yeah. Mm. That's a beautiful dream, Bridget. Thank you for sharing it. Do you have any anything else you want to say or shall I no, say goodbye? No, I just I guess I'm just a little at this point I was just kind of presenting that uh, yeah. by saying I've had so yeah, many it's a good ocean dream dreams. Too. Yeah, and is yeah. that uh, am I uh, correct in understanding that the ocean is about emotions? It can often be because of course it's this enormous body of water and it can be about I I think more than just emotion, it is a kind of realm within the dreamer. It is a potential that is connected to emotional wisdom and connected with the way that operates within our consciousness. So it represents an entire, almost like a planet of potential inside you. So it's a very, very important image. Okay, great. I think I understand. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And um, we have area code 951. Are you on there? Are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. I'm on the air. How are you ladies doing? Just fine. We're doing just wonderful. Thank you. And what is your name? Good. Uh, Name is Natasha. Mm -hmm. Hello, Natasha. And you have a question about the dream? Um, uh, Yes, I do. I was wondering, I have this reoccurring dream that I dream about every now and again for the last year. And um, I don't know if I was wondering if it's probably a past connection or if maybe it could be a glimpse into the future. I don't know. But I always have a dream that I gave birth to uh, these set of twins. Um, One uh, one time I'll have a dream and they'll be identical girls. The next time I'll have a dream, they'll be identical boys. The next time I'll have a dream, they'll be one or the, they'll be both, boy and girl. But the one thing that stands out about the dream is that for some reason these babies are, um, they're like this big to do their big news. Um, They're in the media. I remember just little small details. I remember the doctor coming out and making a statement about them. I remember the media being around, and it's like it's this big deal about these babies. And I don't know quite what the big deal is. <laughs> I, I I I feel like it's nothing medical. Like I don't know why the doctor is involved because it doesn't seem like something's wrong with them. 
but mm-hmm. it's something spectacular about them. And I just think huh. it's odd. What do you pick up with that? <laughs> Well, Natasha, one of the things that I that I explain in the Complete Dream Book, you might want to pick up a copy, look for it in the library. Um, it's all over the place. Um, and I get the information from other people's dreams, not from any psychology, you know, texts, and not from okay. ancient Greece, but just from dreams. And that is that our dreams make things physical that are actually not physical. So this might not be about your body or about your health or about giving birth to babies. These babies could represent parts of your life. They could represent new creations, ideas, or important changes that you're trying to bring about. And there's two of them. And it's important that you let both of them live, that you sort of give birth to these ideas, not just one or the other. Don't choose one or the other or think that you have to pick one. You have to let both of them live. If that, Are you following me so far? Yeah, makes sense, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, right. so what the world teaches us is you have to do one thing or another, and what your consciousness and your wisdom is saying, no, 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 in this case it's vital that you let both of these ideas live or both of these changes live. Right. You can have both. You don't have to just settle for one. You can, that's right. I can accomplish both things, right? And yes, you can. And I think that's what the dreams are trying to drive home and why in the dreams, you know, you have to alert the media and these are big stars and these are celebrities because you right. have to celebrate both of these ideas. Interesting. Never thought about it like that. Yeah, I was just wondering. I said, this is the weirdest dream ever. Well, yeah. And I have it all the time. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that is something. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for calling okay. in. And where are you located, Natasha? What part of America? California. 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 Good. Okay. okay. Good. You don't have snow there, do you? Uh, we've had a little bit in different areas of California, not exactly where I live, but. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. Thank you so much, Natasha. Okay. And thanks, Lee. Ha- mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, uh, Gillian, this is about giving birth. And I hear this from women who are pregnant and closer to giving birth, and this includes myself when I was pregnant. You have all those crazy dreams about mm-hmm. giving birth, but not to a real baby, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that something yeah. is wrong with the baby and so on. Is this normal? This is very normal, Helena, and uh, it's, you know, you dream that you're going to have kittens or you have a little dolphin baby or you have an alien baby or when they're scared, you know, something's wrong with the baby or it's a little gorilla or something. Those are very, very common, and uh, they don't indicate anything bad happening to the baby. In fact, some studies indicate that the more we rehearse the birth, the better it goes. Um, so repetitions in the dreams are pretty normal. They're not something to be anxious about. And if you're having anxiety dreams around the birth, just talk to your mind as you're going to sleep and ask that the dreams give you guidance and help but stop scaring you so much because that part of the mind isn't really aware of how um, startling and unsettling some of the images are. They're not trying to scare you, but you need to kind of talk to your own mind and, and tell it to tone it down a little bit. 
Christina, I think that was good to bring up just because I have some pregnant uh, women in my yes. audience. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they have been very concerned and they think it's some kind of indication something might be wrong with the baby. And I said, no, I had those too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you say it's perfectly normal and that should be very good to know. So uh, here is somewhat area code 416. Uh, are you there, area code 416? Hi, I am. Hello, are you there? Hi, I am. Hello, and this is... Ooh. Ooh. That noise too much? Hello, are you there? Yes, I am. I don't know why the questions are so terrible. I don't know either. <laughs> so, um, um, and what is your name? I'm Helena Margareta, and I have my guest here, Jillian, Dr. Gillian. Jillian Holloway. Hi, Elena, and hi, Elena. This has been a very interesting show. I've been listening. Oh, um, good. I have a couple of questions about dreams, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, do you think it's possible to communicate with a living person? Because I know that you mentioned sort of um, communicating with um, people that have passed, passed over in, through dreams. Um, but I have I've had dreams where I, I definitely feel as though... Um, I'm being visited by some of the people that are still living and having mm-hmm. very intense conversations, and um, they're so vivid that they don't feel like dreams. Like they definitely sort of feel like, you know, visitations of some sort that happen on some sort of a plane. Like they're very, mm-hmm. yeah, intense. And so I was just always curious about that because I, I almost felt like is this some sort of, you know, like um, are am I meeting with people on on another plane, you know? Yes, I do think that happens. And it particularly the way you will know when it's real is when it feels real to you. When you have that sense like that was more than a dream, you can absolutely mm-hmm. trust that sense. Okay. Um, yeah, I do think people connect. And some are more inclined to that type of experience than others. It sounds like you may be prone to that. So it's just going to be part of your um, experience. And, you know, you always have the right to ask someone to leave. You always have the right to protect yourself. But it can be just a normal and very wonderful thing, too. You can have great communications with people in these shared experiences in the dream realm. And some of them may also remember the experience if you check with them, which is kind of fun and it's a nice validation. Um, yes, is there someone from my past? It's like an, an ex that I haven't seen in many, many years, but I know that over the years, for a while, we were talking, and he said that he often did dream with me and that he thought that we did sort of meet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in dreams, but at the time, I just thought he was being a bit like poetic. But then in recent years, um, just having gone through more sort of spiritual experiences, I, I now think, oh, okay, maybe he was just more aware of... Um, well, right, and and sometimes people you'll have a soul connection with. I'm not saying that this person's your soulmate, but there's a soul connection. It's almost like within a family of souls, or you may yes. have a mission that you're on together, and you do some work for the good of mankind um, within the dream state. That happens too, so you may meet to collaborate and to do some good deeds uh, within your dreams. That's fairly common as well. Mm. Okay. That that that. That's How is it uh, uh, with the time? If you need, uh, how long is a dream? Let's say we are going to do something together in the dream. Do we need a long a long dream? Or is it okay with a short dream? <laughs> 
Well, sometimes what we will remember is a short dream. It will seem like it was just a glimpse of something. But other people tell me that they dream all night long, that they are helping refugees or they're helping the newly dead crossover or they are coaching youngsters to make good decisions or they are attending lectures in some other realm and getting special training. So some of those dreams seem to take the whole night long. Ah, you know, I once learned that dreams are very short in actual time, mm-hmm. but you say it's not, and I like that idea better, that they yes. have to last a little bit longer in our dreams and in well, actual time mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What was your other question, caller? Do you oh, recall? thank you. Um, my, la- my other question was just, I've been journaling um, in my dreams quite for probably the last year, so pretty mm-hmm. pretty faithfully. And um, I just want, like, I, I will definitely look at look up your book now, but I know because I find sometimes the sort of like A to Z dream dictionaries are just yeah, uh, they don't quite they're, cut it. Yeah, <laughs> no, they feel very antiquated, right? It's just like bad omen horseshoe or something, and you're just like, yeah. okay, you know. Um, <laughs> but see, um, I just wanted to know, like, because sometimes I find like there's almost like a metaphorical sort of language to dreams, and and mm-hmm. once in a, in a really very very blue moon, I'll. I'll just get it, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's brilliant! That's what the you know, because it's like it just—it's almost in very um, clear language, but you just have to sort of know the language in order to sort mm-hmm. of be able to see it. And so it's really rare that I actually feel like I derive the meaning that I, you know, that that my, in my dreams. Like, and so I just wanted to know if there's any tips on how, like, what type of sort of perspective to approach your dreams from. Like, what's um, a good starting point to try to analyze them? Because I know it's a very complicated field. <laughs> Well, it's it is complicated but it isn't. If you once you learn the the sort of language that dreams prefer and this is our contemporary dreaming model, it doesn't have anything to do with past cultures, but what the way the dreams tend to operate now, um you will find a good explanation of that in the complete dream book and it's really probably the best place to start and once you get a handle on that, your all of your dreams can make sense if you just kind of switch the way you're looking at them, and it, it's not that hard. It's just different than the way we think in everyday life. Okay, that's that's excellent. I'm, I will definitely look for the book because I was looking at dream like analysis courses, and I just I didn't I just felt that um, I know that there's a lot of rich material in my dreams because they're so they they can be very long and they have excellent mm-hmm. thought lines and, and symbols and sometimes mm-hmm. spiritual information. So I was just like, where to start? Okay. 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 And, okay. and thank you very a, much, Cole. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So, um, uh, again, the book is The Complete Dream Book by mm-hmm. Gillian Holloway, mm-hmm. uh, Ph.D. And it, it's, a, it's a thick book, but it's not a boring book. It's very easy, you know, with the print, <laughs> the font, um, you know, it's all big enough to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it, it's not one of those boring books. It's just very easy to read, I think, and what is like over 300 pages. But it's very good. How many books have you written now, Gillian? Four. Four uh-huh. on dreams, yeah. And so I'll be starting on. And the next book I want to write is about the research with the after-death communication dreams because I have heard so many stories, and I want to tell people, you know, how they can kind of trust their instincts if they if they know if this is a communication or not because I get that question a great deal. So that will be the next book. I think that sounds absolutely wonderful. So, but, and we're going to talk a little bit more about symbols mm-hmm. and snakes. Uh, 
many people say, oh, I dream about those snakes. I hate snakes. Why is it that I dream about snakes? Uh, and what, what does that mean when people dream about snakes? Well, there are about three different ways that snakes tend to appear in our dreams. And the first tends to be associated with trouble. People are afraid of snakes. They find snakes difficult to understand and difficult to deal with. They're reluctant to pick them up and handle them. So a problem that is intimidating, difficult to understand, and difficult to handle may be represented in a dream where you're dealing with snakes or you're trying not to fall into a pit of snakes or you know, you run into a snake in a bad situation and you're you're trapped with it. So those are problem dreams, and that's a very common association. And you can simply tell when it looks like the dream is attacking you or threatening you, then that's a clue that that might be a problem dream. And it's just letting you know that this is a pressure that's made worse because you are reluctant to handle it or you feel you can't handle it on your own. That's the side of the pressure that makes it more of a problem. The second yeah. way that... I'm sorry? No, I just say yes. You know, I, okay. I, I agree with what you say. It sounds great. Okay. The second way that some dreams of snakes present is that it's actually a wisdom dream. And the dream, uh, the snake comes and it may try to bite you or someone may threaten you with it and it bites you and you think, oh, it's, I'm going to die now. And in fact, you don't die. And then the dream finishes and you've been terrified, but you've gone through the ordeal and nothing happened to you. That's what I call a wisdom dream. And that is the beginning of an initiation of some kind in your life where you're actually going to go through a little bit of a, a challenge, but it's going to empower you. And that happens to us all throughout the lifespan. But those are our wisdom dreams. And so a clue is that you're afraid, but nothing bad happens and you kind of survive the ordeal. And those are very common as well. Yeah. And uh, when I was young, I used to, and I mean really young, <laughs> uh-huh. like uh, five, six, seven, you know, and those dreams I still remember. It's amazing how one can stick to dreams so far away and mm-hmm. forget the ones that are closer to you. Is this <laughs> how, how it is? <laughs> Does that mean anything? <laughs> that a child common. can remember dreams, and it is common, is it? And what mm-hmm. I used to love was to fly, you know, not mm-hmm. in an airplane or in, in any kind of vehicle up in the sky. No, I flew myself, you know, like a mm-hmm. bird. And I could just sense the gliding through the sky. And I saw all those colors again. Mm-hmm. And this was a child, you know, of course, a child maybe of a little bit more of the imagination than most other people. But they were wonderful dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, ecstatic flight, when it's happy and it's euphoric like that and you can feel the sensation and you're really it's like it's really happening... Those are uh, dreams that are more common to youngsters, and we tend to have less of them later in life, but they're also common to people who are especially gifted, and either intellectually or creatively or spiritually or all of the above. And those are the youngsters who have flying dreams very, very frequently. I think it has to do with a gift that we come into the lifetime with, and because of that strong connection, we're able to sort of leap out of our bodies and actually fly during our sleep. 
And whether it's a dream or whether it's an out-of-body experience, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure it matters. I think it's just an indicator of your spirit or your mind being liberated from the way that other people look at things. I like that, too. I like that explanation very much. I have a couple of questions from emails. And I have a teenager. Her name is Hannah. And uh, she has a dream. It comes back to her several times, she says, and it's usually in this kind of setup. I'm with friends, and we we talk, and we're standing somewhere, and suddenly something happens, and we all have to run away. But I'm not getting anywhere. I run, but my feet are not moving forward. They're just, I'm running in one spot. I'm staying where I am. And Mm -hmm. then I wake up, and I feel bad. What does this mean? Well, that is a variation of what we call the paralysis dream, and it's very typical to to want to run and you can't, or to want to cry out and you can't make a sound. And although there are physical reasons why that happens in the dream state um, that, that can explain the situation away, I don't think that's the important part of the explanation. I think the wisdom half of it is a little more important. And so for Hannah, usually paralysis has to do with a conflict in in some situation where you want one thing, but you feel you should want another. And whether the conflict has to do with what your parents hope for and what you hope for or whether it's what your friends are encouraging you to do and what you believe is right for you, there is some conflict there, and the conflict turns into paralysis in the dream where you try to move and you can't. So the important part is to look for places in your life where you're not following your own heart, your own truth, your own wisdom, and try to circle back to that and make put that in first place. Not somebody else's opinion or judgment or wishes for you. Put what's in your heart in first place, and then you'll kind of know what to do again. So interesting, of course, she's also a teenager, which might mm-hmm. have something to do with it. Yes. Do you feel that way? Yes, and that's a time when it's really, it's almost like our truth gets submerged under the soup of other people's instructions and other people's pressures. And it's really, when you start to feel your own truth getting submerged like that, it can feel, it's panicky feeling, like you're drowning or like you're paralyzed. And it's time to turn back to your own compass, so to speak. Yeah, but then she also wakes up and she feels bad about herself and bad about everything. So she probably has some conflicts in her life. And Mm -hmm. I have another email here that came in a few days ago, and this is about um, Barbara, and she is uh, an artist, and she's a woman in her 40s, and uh, she has also a reoccurring dream about how she's coming, she's going uphill and uphill, and she's walking actually uphill. And then she comes to the top of the hill, and there on the top of the hill there are different ways of going down, either a water slide, steps, or an elevator. And she kind of wakes up when she's up on top because she doesn't know what to do. What an interesting dream. That is a, Yeah, you usually don't get the uphill and the downhill in one dream together like that. In one dream and, and coming up on top and then standing there making a choice and uh 
I uh, just saved that one for you. Yes. Dr. Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Well, I can. here's yeah. what I know about that, and there's always an element that I won't know, but here's what I can start with. Climbing uphill is usually about something that involves effort. And we dream of going uphill when we're, you know, I dream of it when I'm writing books because that's an effort, when you're getting your college degree, when you're doing something that's difficult or facing a challenge. It's also about accomplishment. So it's not a negative image. It's just an image that acknowledges you're having to really work hard at something that's important, that's worthy of the climb. So it's likely that that's part of what Barbara is facing. She's building something. She's climbing something. She's achieving. Uh, she's following a path that has some effort involved with it. Now, getting to the top and then deciding how you're going to travel back down, that offers her the second half of the journey. This is like, what is she going to do with the reward or what is she going to do with the result? Is it going to matter? Is it going to make a difference? Is it worthwhile? So she's doing two things at once. She's deciding what her future is going to hold. At the same time, she's trying to accomplish something. So that makes it a little more complicated. That makes it tougher, and she's got to make some choices. I think that all these downhill options have to do with some choices that she's weighing. What would be best to do next after she finishes this project or accomplishment? And only she knows what is best. I don't think any of those, the water slide or the steps or the elevator, none of them are harmful. None of them are right or wrong. It's just what she wants to do with her future. Yeah. It, could it be that she's scared of success in any way, do you think? Oh, of just... course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of us are scared of success, even though that's not logical at all. And it's it's a change, and sometimes this is where your past life ideas come in. Many, many people that I work with, and I'm sure you too, right now in this age, they're here to help the planet and to help us get through what's ahead, whatever that is. And they have come carrying some uh, scars from the past. A lot of wise people have uh, been tortured or killed in the past for their wisdom or speaking their truth. So now when they feel this giant pressure like, oh, I have something to offer, I'm going to help the world, they also run into the fact that the last time I spoke up, they slit my throat. And we carry that fear with us. So coming into the public, if it's a public accomplishment at all, it can feel like if I do my accomplishment, I will die. And, of course, that's not true, but that's the fear that we feel in our hearts. So it's a big I know exactly challenge. what you're saying, yes. Yeah. It, and yeah. I know exactly what you're saying because I had to go through that myself. And I wrote about it in my book. I had to actually heal a past lifetime where I was mm. tortured and all kinds of terrible things happened to me because I was doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had that fearful feeling when I was started to work with what I'm doing now that the police was going to come and arrest me and they're going to put me in handcuffs and tie me up you know do Mm -hmm. all kinds of horrible things to me but once I gone back into that particular lifetime and healed that memory I've been fine Mm mm-hmm that's fascinating. So, so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so I suspect that that may be something that Barbara is dealing with, and that's why it's the dream keeps repeating. So maybe she should 
make some time with you to to work on that and see what that fear is yeah, about. Yeah, this is what I suggested after we heard your explanation okay. <laughs> of okay. the dream. Yeah. So and I find it so fascinating that there are those different options with the water slide of of, of all things. You know, does water mean anything special in dreams? Well, water body or water or, or showers, anything with water. Yes, water is what it, it's it's a bigger image than we think. It has to do with uh, emotion, but it also has to do with just the fluidity of life. Life that pours and is fluid and can take lots of different forms, the the quickness of the feminine energy, and also what nourishes us. You know, we need water to be nourished and refreshed. So often we'll dream of wanting to take a bath or a shower or to be baptized or to go into the water. It's a natural hunger for us when we're trying to restore our soul, so to speak. Yeah. Does it mean anything special if you feel dirty and you need to take a bath? But that's a different kind from water. There's something else, doesn't it, if I feel dirty? Well, yes, but it, it can be similar in that what really cleanses us is energy. And so that's the the energy side of the water symbol has to do with what what restores us and cleanses us at the same time and makes us feel new and refreshed. Yeah. You know, I enjoy this uh, hour with you so very much, and uh, I know you have your own radio show, uh, Internet radio show, also Radio Sedona, um, where we are now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you have these books. And uh, I'm so glad that you could take the time to be with me with short notice. Of course, I'm one of those people, I'm always with short notice. I do everything quickly <laughs> and the last minute. <laughs> So, uh, and I sleep probably a little bit less than most people do, and dream a little bit less also. Does it mean that some people dream more, and who dreams more? Does it mean anything at all when some people dream more and others less? Well, it it's just individual, like everything else, and it changes throughout our lifespan. We go through times where we dream a lot and remember a lot, and other times when we're busy and we're working out our dreams you know, while we're awake. So I suspect that your consciousness is so all over the map, Helena, that you maybe you don't need to dream as much as some people because you are in and out of altered states of consciousness all day long. Well, you can say that again. Yes, it's very true. I'm in and out of that. And I've had people who said, there's one couple I'm thinking about, they say they just lie down and it's like going to the movies. Mm-hmm. But these are not particularly interesting people. They're just doing everything right, you know. And uh, do they sleep more deeply or more su- superficially when you are dreaming a lot? Well, we all go through the different stages of sleep. So uh, it's difficult to say. I will say that most people who sleep a lot, they get a, a lot of sleep and they get you know, they can wake up whenever they want to wake up, they tend to remember their dreams better. When we sleep less or when we have to bound out of bed, that tends to take that twilight memory away and you move into your day rather quickly. So those are it's it's not right or wrong and it's not better or worse, but everyone is different. Yeah. And I have uh, one email here again, and this is from a divorced woman. Mm-hmm. And she is living in an on-off relationship. Her name is Gabby, 
mm-hmm. and she's in her 40s, and she has had a dream a couple of times about a particular man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they are together, they're having dinner, they're having a date, and uh, then he comes up and touches her, you know, like just a hug or, or his arm around her shoulder. And she goes into some kind of trance with that touch. It's like, oh, my God, I love him so much. <laughs> hmm. And uh, and this stays with her for many days, she says. It's almost like she has fallen in love with this man on the other side. And she asked me, is this someone from a past life, or is it someone from my future, or is is it just a dream? Oh, that's fascinating. Well, it's difficult to say, but I would say that this is probably a, a, someone from another dimension, from another realm, um, especially if, it, if it's similar and they have this deep connection and he touches her and then she moves into an altered state. I'm not sure whether that's a, a good thing or, or a mysterious thing, but it yeah. sounds like someone who is connecting with her across the realms rather than something that's about her waking life situation. And it happens sometimes that we have loves and passions and connections on the soul level that aren't, you know, we're not going to run into them uh, on this side of the curtain, so to speak. So it's something that she can make some notes about and observe about and ask for other dreams to make it more clear where where this person is and if she's going to encounter him. And... uh... I don't believe myself in predictions myself too much, but do you see dreams as being something like a prediction, something you you really can listen to as something is go- that's going to happen to you? Some people you are that? more some people are more prone to that. It happens sometimes. Certainly, some people have warnings about their children, about things like that, and they have been able to prevent some accidents because of dreams that they have had. That is part of our biology as creatures. We've just become ignorant about it in the last, you know, with civilization and so forth and are getting addicted to logic. But I think that's a biological thing that all creatures have. But as far as predicting the future, I think we have markers in in our future where there's an important work to do or something important in your destiny to do and that you may dream about that marker about that intersection about the place you're going to live the job you're going to have the person you marry you may dream about your future children so now and then those type of soul markers arise in our dreams i do believe that yeah you know i actually dreamt about my future daughter i mean when i Mm -hmm. was before i was even married Mm -hmm. i dreamt about having this particular child so, yes, I cannot say I don't believe in predicts, but all these, you know, that say this is going to happen, I think sometimes we take it a little bit too much. Uh, That's too right. seriously. Yeah. That's right. But so no. when people have a scary dream, they don't need to worry that it's going to come true because that's not the most likely reason they're having it. Yeah. I have had uh, clients, though, who have come to me and they have talked about dreams that have with warnings so to speak Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. have actually warned them don't drive you know when you come to that corner be careful or something like this and i know Mm -hmm. those who have in fact avoided accidents that way and i know others who didn't listen to their dreams and they have had the accident Mm -hmm. so there is everything out there and um, my website is uh 
www.speakingtoyourheart.com or activeil.com. And your website, Jillian Holloway, mm-hmm. is, if you want to mention that. Yes, it's lifetreks.com, L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S, and you can always reach me through there, and you can look at Lifetreks on Facebook as well. There are lots of um, resources there for you. That's wonderful. And we only have a few seconds left, and, of course, this show is going to go to the archives, and most of my shows are listened to during in the archives, and, and we will be there for the future from my website and also from Sedona Talk Radio. So, again, thank you so very much. The show is now over, and I thank you so much, Gillian Holloway, for being with me again. It was so good of you to, to take this time with me and to oh, be with me Oh, my pleasure. Again. I loved it. It was so interesting. I love dreams, and you are such an expert. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you again for coming with me this hour. Thank you. Bye-bye. And this is the music by... Stephen Halpin, and I wish everyone the best of days. I'll be with you next time. Thank you so very much. This is Helena Margarita, and we'll meet soon again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.